Would you like to be able to start conversations like a pro? Take The Sunday World, your daily dose of what's going on. Do not consume The Sunday World if you're involved in a drug cartel, you're a politician with something to hide, or you've appeared on a reality TV show and care about others' opinions. Consume The Sunday World responsibly. Always read the stories, gossip, and commentary. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, Right. For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates, like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com achieve today. Check out my new show, Nicola Talent Presents Getting Away With Murder, live at Liberty Hall on September 20th. Brought to you by MCD. Tickets on sale at ticketmaster.ie. He was really planning this explosive defence where he was going to attempt to lay the blame for the tragedy solely on his his murdered wife. And he had actually managed to tap her phone and, and was actually able to listen to her phone calls live when she was making them. Like they've really been robbed of so much. Seaman and the two children murdered. Then they were robbed again then of seeing the killer brought to justice. I'm Nicola Talent and you're listening to Crime World, a podcast about criminals, drugs and the sins of the underworld in Ireland and across the globe. An Indian woman and her two children strangled with ligatures in their Dublin home. An abusive husband who ended his own life before he could face trial. And a web of lies that attempted to blacken the name of a loving mother. Today I'm talking with Sunday Independent journalist Ali Bracken about the story of killer Samir Syed and his tragic wife Seema Banu who was murdered along with her children, 11-year-old Asfira Riza and 6-year-old Faisan Syed, behind the doors of a seemingly ordinary family home. She tells me of the 38-page document penned by Syed before his death in an Irish prison and about the truth about a monster who tried to lay blame from beyond the grave against the woman he terrorised and killed. This is Crime World, a podcast from sundayworld.com. We do cover some tragic stories on Crime World, but I have to say, Ali, this is probably one of the most upsetting ones we're going to talk about. So just maybe a warning to listeners um, that there's no positivity coming on here at all. Uh, Samir Syed was a father of two young children, um, an Indian man who moved to Ireland in 2019 with his wife and in October of 2020, the bodies of his wife, Seema Banu, Asfira Riza, 11-year-old, and Faisan Syed, 6, were found in the home in Rathfarnham and each of them had been murdered. Um, He was arrested 
and he was in custody waiting for trial when he himself managed to uh, to take his own life and never face trial. But you had a story recently, which I think is um, a testament to his wife and two children who no longer have a voice. Um, and it, it describes basically how coming up to trial, he was writing reams of documents in, in prison and he was basically going to try and lay the blame at this horrific uh, triple murder um, on his wife. I suppose it would have been the final insult to her. Now, you managed to get your hands on one of those documents and you read it, I'm sure, with horror as regards what he had to say. Maybe just start with telling us what happened um, in October 2020 and what was discovered in that house in Rathfarnham. Yeah, in October 2020, uh, at this point, Samir had been separated from his wife, Seema, for I think around five months. And she had a she had a barring order against him. Uh, he had viciously attacked her and she, she'd ended up hospitalised. He, he had beaten her so badly. So the relationship was obviously completely broken down. He, he wasn't allowed near her or the kids as a result. Um, and in October 2020, he was actually, he was due in court uh, to answer criminal charges uh, in relation to that attack. And, and Seema was obviously the chief witness in the case. Um, but the day before, the day before the trial began, uh, Seema and her two children were were found were found strangled to death. A ligature was was used in 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 the three murders, and water had also been been left on in the house. Um, I think in an attempt to maybe so it would flood and and that the alarm would be would be raised quickly by by the neighbours. So so that essentially is what happened. Um, the, the three of them were 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 found murdered. That day, like I said, the day before he was he was up in court to to answer those serious those serious charges, and you know he was facing jail for for that assault on his on his wife. Mm. So that that was that was the background. It was obviously a, a terrible scene for I think it was the the ERU, the specialist armed officers went into the house and 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 found the you know the, the what can only just must have been a, a terrible scene. And had the family settled in well here in Ireland? Um, I mean, Seema, I mean, and her two children, were they known in the neighbourhood? Did did the neighbours notice that they hadn't seen them out and about? And was that what raised the alarm? I think they were only here about a year um, in Ireland. They, they'd only been living living in Ireland about a year. I think they kind of, they they kept to themselves, I think, relatively. I mean, obviously, there was there was obviously a lot going on in, in Seema's life, dealing with, with her abusive ex as well. But yeah, I think neighbours did notice that that they hadn't seen them, hadn't seen them, and that's and that's why Gardy were called. But I don't think they, you know, they weren't in the neighbourhood that long, um, so it, it's not like they had a high level of contact. But I think the two the two kids were in the local um, volunteer educate together school as well. I think so. They were they were a family who kind of kept to themselves, I suppose. You know. Well, given what we know now was going on in the background, it's hardly surprising, and I'm sure she wasn't here long enough. Um, God love her to have really made friends or set down roots. Um, so he he sent to, to, to into custody while awaiting trial for the murders. So what happens next? So yeah, so so he's he's been in. He, he was eventually charged in, in relation to to the murder of his of his wife and and two children. And it seems since then, essentially, he's been preparing for his his criminal trial. 
which was which was due to get get underway. I think it was June. Yeah, it was in it was in June. It was supposed to be, and he was really planning this kind of explosive defense. Really, I suppose where where he was going to attempt to to lay the blame for the tragedy solely on his on his murdered wife. He he was going to admit to strangling her to death, but he was claiming provocation and, and his defense was going to be that he went to the house and he found his two children murdered by by his wife and that he then murdered his wife because he was so obviously distraught by finding his, his two children dead. So that's what he was going to claim. Now that's, you know, investigators are entirely discount this and, and they obviously had charged him with, with the three murders but that that was his plan I suppose before he killed himself in, in prison a few days before the trial but it, it would have been quite a trial I suppose to to hear what, what he had to say um, and everything he had to say was was going to be completely and utterly rejected by, by guard investigators as well. And by the state so what in that uh, 38 page document did you did you read or did you learn about what he was going to to claim? Yeah, well, look, it was it was it was very rambling. It was very self indulgent. The entire thing, and it's it's really it was it was kind of like he was beginning to sitting down and writing his his life story, you know. And it was about how he had grew up in India, how well educated he was, how his parents were, you know, these wonderful people who, who tried to give him the best of everything, and. Um, Education was seemed to be a, a big part of his early life, um, and then he describes meeting Seema, and you know she very much was you know not his equal in terms of her education and her social class. I think in in India, in terms of all the castes, I think they're called the different kind of social standing you have. But according to him, they, they you know he fell for her. They they fell in love and, and began a began a relationship. But then he kind of says that, that she she began to try and manipulate him and, and separated him from from his parents and kind of really started to try and and, and control him and, and, you know, control his life and control his his decisions. And that, you know, she only wanted him for his for his money and land seemed to be a, a, a big issue as well in terms of land they owned in, in India and that she only wanted you know, once they had the kids, she just she wanted rid of him then so she could take everything that was that was his. And it was just as very much him as the victim and her as this kind of manipulative woman who was who was just out to get everything she could from him. So that was kind of the impression he was he was giving in this, like I said, big rambling kind of diatribe really from him, you know self-indulgent um they had he said that he had moved to Dubai for work at some point before they came to Ireland that she had gone to visit him but that he believed that she was having affairs when he was gone and this is part of his complaint in this rambling document yeah so he he claimed that she was having affairs with in, in India I think including with his with his driver I think he said he, he seemed to have somebody who, who, dro- who drove him around in India when, when he returned so these are one of the kind of unsubstantiated claims that that he made, um, and he actually he's a he's he was a, an IT specialist, and apparently he was actually, you know, very very skilled in that, and he had actually managed to um, 
to tap her phone and, and was actually able to listen to her was actually able to listen to her phone calls live when when she was when she was making them you know to her family in India and to some of these men he alleges she was having affairs with and, and he was actually doing that I believe like that is you know he, he was actually involved in in that level of of surveillance I suppose of, of his of his wife you know so that that was all kind of going on in the in the background and he he spoke a lot of the 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 other crime he was charged with, with joke, with them um, assaulting her, um, which didn't didn't the trial didn't proceed because unfortunately his the family were murdered. But you know he claimed that she was choking herself, and all this just kind of off off the wall stuff, you know. And then he was mm-hmm. obviously very critical of the guards in his in his in his letters. He he was saying that you know, the guardie, instead of trying to find the truth, they, they took the easier path and, and, and blamed me when, when I didn't kill my wife. You know, he's claiming he just reacted because his, his wife, he, he was falsely claiming, had, had murdered their, their, two, their, their two children, you know? So, um, but again, a lot of arrogance from him. He kind of was like, you know, I'm a, I think he wrote, I'm a highly qualified security, cybersecurity expert, you know, if if I'd wanted to do this, I would have got away with it. You know, I, I didn't do this. She did this. So that's that's kind of the the narrative he was he was going on with. And while we can only imagine the kind of life the poor woman had with him from the facts of what we do know is the May 2020 vicious assault and six months later the uh, the murder of the, his whole family. Um, we don't really know a huge amount about them, do we? And you know, tragically, here's a family that come to Ireland. She makes what would be a very brave step to separate from a guy as controlling and as violent as him here in this country where she didn't have friends or family. She's ringing home, I think, and she's speaking of her fears to her family back home in India about how she's scared she's going to be murdered. Um, And clearly those fears were were real. You know, she wasn't she wasn't imagining anything. It must have been a horrendously scary situation for that family. Was there failings, do you think? Do you know, was the when that assault was before the courts, was there social workers that should have got involved? Was there some failings here on our part here in Ireland of not realising maybe how what a threat he was to that family? Well, he, you know, he clearly knew he knew where, where she where, where they lived, obviously, Um I suppose hindsight can, can be great in relation to these things. I mean, she, she had the borrowing order, I suppose, unless, unless the guards are, have a, a post outside the house, um, mm. it's kind of it can be impossible to, to know what will, will happen next. And I mean, I suppose she's a woman from an entirely different country and culture. Um, you know, she seemed to spend a lot of her time speaking to her family about, about how, how, how worried she was for her safety. I mean, the most, the most the courts can do is is put a barring order in place. You know, uh, I I don't think it was an, an issue that she was constantly ringing guardie saying, "I'm afraid he's going to show up on my doorstep and, and kill us." But she was definitely expressing mm-hmm. those concerns to to her family in India. And I, I spoke to them kind of through well through the help of an interpreter a couple of times at at the time when she just just after her murder, and they had just watched the, the funeral. They were unable to come to Dublin for the funeral um, because it was COVID at the time. And they had put up a, a huge screen in the, in the kind of small village where, where she was from. And, and they all watched the funeral. And it seemed to be, you know, obviously highly emotional for them. And, you know, they, they from the outset, uh, at the first time I, I spoke to them, 
um, he hadn't been charged yet. But they were, you know, they were saying that there was there was absolutely no doubt that that it was him. And it, it was very difficult for them to watch. He was the chief mourner at, at the funeral in Dublin, you know, because he was he was the grieving husband at that point still. Um, and, and they just found that really, really difficult to watch. And, and he he was the one who got to make the decision that they be buried, you know, about, about, about all the funeral decisions rather than them, you know. And and he was certainly acting at that point like the distraught widower you know and then and then to learn then only like less than two months ago that that he he killed himself you know they don't even get to watch or you know come to Ireland or or at least be kept up to speed on um you know on, on seeing a criminal trial and, and potentially seeing him jail for life instead it, everything kind of ended on on his terms again you know mm. um and I think you know they would have loved to have come to Ireland but I, I just I I I think they probably financially aren't in a position to to come to, to have come to Ireland throughout all of this, and then COVID was was an issue as well, you know. For sure. And Ali, did they give you an insight into what Seema was like and the children, and maybe a little bit of an insight into what the relationship was like? Yeah, they they just said that he was he was always a, a bad. They just described him as a, as a horrible bad man from the very beginning, and they described Seema as just a. You know, a woman who just was completely dedicated to her to her two young kids. She seemed to be on the phone to them an awful lot, so she obviously missed them terribly. Um, and you know, she all she would always inquire about how everybody else in the village was, and, and wanted to be kept up to speed on all the news. Um, and I mean, you know, maybe she would have, maybe she would have gone back to India with the kids. It's just you know, she had the trial coming up of of his of of his attack on her so I she certainly had to stay in the country to to give evidence of that but it, it's hard it, it seemed like she was a woman whose whose heart was still in India rather than in in Ireland she only ended up in Ireland because because of her husband because work brought him here so she'd no real link to here I, I don't think she was working so she was just kind of looking after the kids and I, I can't imagine it she w- I can't imagine she was planning on staying, put it that way. I, I would imagine she-, she wanted to go back home. Now, the Guardi believed that he, um, despite that barring order being in place, that he was visiting the house dressed sometimes as a woman. And in particular, around the time of the murder, he may have worn a hijab to disguise himself going to the house. Yeah. And he, yeah, he, he wore a hijab on occasion and, and he dressed in women's clothing on, on other occasions. Um, and in his in his kind of prison letter that he wrote, um, he claimed that he was there all the time, and, and that this barring order wasn't really being implemented. That his wife didn't actually want it. He was there every weekend. He'd take the kids out. Now, again, these are all just things he has said. You know, there's there's nothing to say that anything he says is is true. But he seemed to, you know, and in his letter he said, "Sure, just ask the neighbors. I was I was regularly in in the house. You know." But yeah, in and around the time of, of the murders, he he certainly seemed to be wearing disguises essentially to, to try and to try and get in and out of the in and out of the house without being noticed, I suppose, you know. And obviously using his his cyber skills to hack into her phone. I didn't realise you could hack into someone's phone and watch or hear the conversations yeah, I, on I, live. I think it's a very at a very, very high level of of uh, you know, it's obviously completely illegal I don't think it's like illegal for any arm of the state in any country to, to do it but um yeah no he was he was very skilled in, in that regard and and 
I think the gu- the guards had had videos of that was going to be presented in the trial as well of when she'd ring her family and see as she'd ask them to record the video calls because she wanted it documented that that she was afraid she was going to be murdered. So he was going to be presenting his defense, his mad kind of claims. And in response, the guards were, were going to be showing these videos of of her telling her her family in India, you know, I'm really scared he's, he's going to kill me and, and that he's going to kill the kids. Mm. So it seems that justice has evaded them completely. And um, without, as I said to you, your, your reporting, I think, gives her a voice from the grave in that all of these uh, allegations he's made about her are completely refuted by investigators. Um who see that she was indeed absolutely 100% the victim all along. So coming to him being taking his own life in prison before the trial, now that isn't something that we hear that often in the Irish prison service. How do they handle that? Or is there an investigation into what happened or is it just let go? Yeah, I think there's, there's two investigations, one by one by Gardy and another by the inspector of prisons. And yeah, look, look, deaths in custody are are rare and you know they should be really shouldn't they i mean it's 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 not something that should happen be it suicide or or murder or or drug overdose um but they do happen and, and in this case i think he'd been visited um just hours before by a by a psychotherapist um to to give a statement to i think that woman and she was going to be also give evidence at the trial about his state of mind and and how he was doing and and I believe that that woman was completely shocked that like within a couple of hours of, of, of her sitting down with him and, and and speaking to him at length about about how he was essentially, she she couldn't believe that 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 this man then went and killed himself. He he just did not appear to be in that space whatsoever. So mm-hmm. but I suppose you never really know what 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 is going on, as well as obviously in, in someone else's mind, you know, because because that's that's what he did. He he hung himself I believe um so it was kind of the, the same method of of deaths that you know befell his his wife and two children as well and a ligature was used and uh and and he ended his own life at his hand um and I suppose finally the for the family and some sense of justice we do here have a coroner's court which undoubtedly all these deaths because they were uh three murders and one suicide will come before the coroner's court at some point. And the coroner's court may be a place for the family to get a voice, to speak out and to, for, for the details of what happened to come out. Um, will that, that, that happen over the coming months or certainly years? Yeah. I mean, there will be inquests. They'll, they'll be separate. There'll be one inquest into Seema and her two children because those deaths all occurred at the same time. And then there'll be a separate one uh, into Samir's prison suicide. And yeah, it, it, you know, inquest can be a good place for for some some evidence to emerge, but it generally just focuses on the on the exact circumstances of of death rather than motives behind it. But often families can, you know, it can they, they can use that space to to you know raise some questions, um, and so that is an option. But I, unfortunately, I think in this case, the family they live in in part of rural India. Um, I don't think they would would have any kind of wealth. I don't think they'd be able to 
to afford to, to come to Ireland. And I don't think any of them speak English as well. So I think there's a lot against that kind of happening. And I think Seema's father as well, he has since died. He died, I think, a month and a half after after the triple murder. So her, her, her father is gone, but she does have a number of brothers and, and sisters. And I think I think she's one of eight or nine and her mother is still alive. But unless somebody was was funding that trip, um, I just, you know, I'm, I'm guardy. I'm sure we'll be in touch with them when, when they have the, the inquest details. Um, and it would be great to see them because I know that from speaking to them, I, I know they want to obviously, they want to come here. They want to see the place their daughter had had called home and unfortunately was the place where she was murdered as well. But, you know, t- to feel closer to her and the two children, I, I think they'd love to to make the journey. Um, I suppose it, it remains to be seen whether or not that, that will happen, but it, it would certainly be maybe helpful for for their grieving process as well to, to and to kind of get some kind of answers, you know, but they, be looked, I think there's a few barriers in the way there, but you know, you you would, yeah. hope, you would hope it would happen that that they would get something, you know, just just some kind of help in that regard. Uh, and I'm I'm sure this guard of family liaison, I'm sure dealing with them in India, you know. And um, you know, a rich country like ours, you'd like to think that there's somebody out there who might help with that fund, or if somebody would establish it. Exactly. Yeah, I'm sure there, there there should be be things hopefully going on behind the scenes where where, where some kind of consulate or, or something could be trying to offer some kind of help um, to the family because I know they've found it difficult and and they felt it's they felt a bit in the dark sometimes and that can be communication breakdown that can be you know cultural issues and you know I I think it's been a lot of things have maybe been a bit lost in translation. Mm. But you're, you're still in contact with them anyway. And if anybody, I suppose I'm putting a bit of work on you here, Ellie, but if anybody maybe wants to contact you, you can pass on messages or whatever. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I mean, I think they, they, they've really been robbed of so much. They've obviously, they're, you know, Seema and, and the two children murdered. Um, and, but then they were robbed again then of, 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 of seeing the killer brought to justice and, you know, it it just seems like they deserve a break in some way, don't they? To 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 be treated with absolutely with some respect and dignity, and 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 you know, bring them some kind of closure, I suppose. And for those lives to be recognised as important as as they were. Exactly. Well, look, Ali Bracken, thank you very much. Thanks a lot. That's great. Thanks, Nicola. You've been listening to Crime World, a podcast from SundayWorld.com, produced by Ian Mullaney and edited by me, Nicola Talent. Research assistant is Clodamini. If you like this show and love true crime, leave us a review. Or why not download the free sundayworld.com app for lots more stories from Ireland and across the globe. Would you like to be able to start conversations like a pro? Take The Sunday World, your daily dose of what's going on. Do not consume The Sunday World if you're involved in a drug cartel, you're a politician with something to hide, or you've appeared on a reality TV show and care about others' opinions. Consume The Sunday World responsibly. Always read the stories, gossip, and commentary.